Hello, and welcome back to the Voice First Roundtable, Season 2. So we're kicking off Season 2 of our popular half-hour, one-on-one interview show, and we're excited about it. It's been a long time coming. Glad to bring it back. We've got a 10-episode slate um, that starts now that will take place over the next 10 weeks with one new episode coming out a week with a leader, a luminary, a pioneer in the voice and AI space uh, each week. We're excited about it. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, we run Voice First FM, of which the Voice First Roundtable is one of our shows. Thank you for listening. And with that, we're going to get right into it. Our first guest for Voice First Roundtable Season 2 is Rana Gujral of Behavioral Signals. Rana, am I pronouncing that right? Yes, you are. And thanks for having me on the show, Bradley. You got it. Thank you for giving us some of your time, Rana. Tell us, tell us who you are. Tell us what you do. Tell us uh, about Behavioral Signals. Absolutely. So I'm the CEO of Behavioral Signals, uh, Rana Gujral, and uh, about Behavioral Signals, we, we were born out of research, out of uh, USC and sales research labs. What we do is we use our specialized algorithms to analyze human emotions and behaviors in voice. And that's the primary focus area, which is the tone of voice and the pitch and tonal variance. And what we do from that is we gather a lot of insights and we, we transform that data into usable and actionable information. And then we apply that towards uh, various business KPIs. And so if you sort of think about um, the, the landscape out there from a comparison metrics, I mean, the, the most of the NLP and voice interactions offering you see out there, they tend to focus on what is being said. And what we do is we introduce the ability to understand how something is being said in addition to the what part. And that's, that's through uh, focusing on the pitch and tonal variance and deciphering from that uh, emotions, speaking styles, behaviors. But we've gone a step further, and uh, some of our recent work has been around predicting intent. So uh, we can actually predict what one of the participants that we're focusing on is going to do in the near future, what actions the person's going to take in the near future. And we can do that with a very high level of accuracy. So it's almost uh, uh, in terms of sort of uh, getting into the, the really the minutia aspects of the state of mind and then predicting how uh, or what actions will come out of this conversation. So very high level. We can go deep dive into it, but that's kind of what we do. Yeah, that's great. Very cool. So um, I guess I'm going to start by asking you a dumb question. Is it is it a given? I think it's a given most people who follow voice assistants and have have mm-hmm. kept up with some of these innovations. It's a, it seems like it's a given that a voice assistant that can conduct sentiment analysis and that understands mm-hmm. – um, you know, the way the words are being said is important, if not more important than the actual words being said. It seems like a voice assistant that can do that will be able to outperform one that can't. Is there ever a scenario where we wouldn't want sentiment analysis or is it just a given that any for any voice assistant to be at that next level, it needs to have that ability? 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think I think the answer is uh, overwhelmingly yes, uh, I, I feel. But like one way to answer that is to take a step back and see how the whole arena of voice interactions uh, ha- has progressed over the last decade or so. So if you were to take a step back and say, you know, go back, not that far back, but say five to seven years ago, uh, we were speaking to the capabilities uh, and technologies such as NLP and NLU and, you know, the speech to text aspects to it as cutting edge, bleeding edge. We were like very, very enamored by it. And it was like, wow, you could take audio and you could translate that into uh, or transcribe that into actual words. Uh, that's That's fascinating. And you can do it. By, by incorporating various accents and various types of speaks and various uh, cultural dialects and all of that. And that's, that's fascinating in multiple languages as well. But fast forward into 2020, it's no longer cutting edge. It's a commoditized capability. It's a commoditized tool that, that a plethora of companies offer. And uh, some of the larger players are really throwing that capability in the market literally for free. So that's, that's one thing, right? That's changed in the, in the dynamics of voice interaction. The second thing is, um, can you understand the specific context behind um, behind a voice conversation? So, for example, if there's a conversation between a doctor and patient, uh, you can convert the speech to audio, but do you understand what's being said? Do you understand the lingo? Do you understand the main knowledge behind that conversation? And there's a lot of work that's been done in that that those specific areas. So there, there are p- people who have focused on uh, doctor or patient conversations and others who have focused on spousal, spousal conversations as others who have focused on between a salesperson and a client. Um, so we understand those things now and we could, we could, we can apply those, that, that context. What hasn't changed is understanding state of mind, right? And so for example, when you and I are talking, uh, we're not just, um, you know, uh, focused on understanding what you're saying, which is the actual word you're saying, but I'm really very interested in how you're saying something because it's very important for me and for you to relate to that because what you're going to say next is not just going to be based on what I'm saying, but how I'm saying something, whether I mean it or not mean it. And, uh, you know, that's incredibly important. And you're, And that's what makes a conversation a conversation. Otherwise, it's a single uh, transcript of uh, one-sided transactions, which is I tell you to do something and you either do it or not do it and you respond back with whether you do it or not do it. That's how we talk with virtual assistants today, right? And the promise was that virtual assistants will become real assistants. I mean, they'll, they'll replace that human uh, we need in our lives, whether it's uh, a secretary or a business assistant or a, a social assistant or a you know, a companion who, who we can talk to uh, hasn't happened yet, right? It doesn't. I mean, as billions of dollars have been spent, uh, more and more languages are supported by virtual assistants and more and more skills are added to virtual assistants. They can door open, they open doors, they can uh, show the cameras, they can do complex math, they can tell us jokes and play music, but it's one-sided. There's no conversation happening. And that's because we don't like to converse with things that don't understand, uh, you know, uh, how I feel. And that's one of the reasons why uh, that whole paradigm of interacting with virtual assistants has plateaued. I mean, it's literally plateaued over the last couple of years, last few years. And that whole promise is like, it's like going back with the fizzle. And so the next one would be like one of these days, one of these virtual assistants is going to suddenly become emotionally aware. And when that happens, 
uh, it's going to understand how we feel and it's going to, uh, you know, curate this re- response uh, based on how I'm saying something. That would be a game changer. At that point, we'll start to have conversations. At that point, you know, it, it will look and feel more like, hey, I'm speaking with someone else uh, who, uh, who sounds like a human. And that's how humans talk. Um, and so I think, I think it's a given. And um, I, think, I think it's needed. I think it's also going to be that, uh, that, that, that chasm that's holding back that entire dynamics, uh, dynamics of voice interactions. And it's going to be a complete game changer after that. There's like a, a plethora of use cases that directly impact user experience and customer experience and, uh, you know, uh, which will come to market based on that outside of just virtual assistants. And I think I'm super excited um, waiting for that to happen. It's an interesting observation. It seems so obvious just to hear you say it, but I don't think I've ever really thought about it like that, that, you know, People who are using smart speakers and voice assistants now, like the mainstream ones, um, they kind of keep it at arm's length. Like it's it's been a huge question. Like you know, why um, do we only ask Alexa for the weather and for music? You know, why do we sort of keep it at arm's length and we don't really invest? the time to understand more of what these things can do. And I think you're right on the money with uh, the fact that it just, it can't understand, like the not being able to do, to understand our sentiment and understand more than just the rote words coming out of our mouth. It just makes, it, it makes it less likely to return on that investment of time because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's so much that it can't understand um, because of that. I think that that's really eye-opening. You know, I, of course, having access to more context in our lives would help. But even if it had access to all that context and can, could be um, much more understanding of our lives and sort of predict things that we're going to do and things we're going to need – Lacking that sentiment analysis, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that's a, 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 a something that needs to change. Let's take an example, right? And I love this example, and I've used it many times. If I uh, ask you a question and say, Bradley, would you like to do this? And so we're just having a conversation among friends. Um, and so you respond back with a very sarcastic, sure. And so I, I understand what you're saying by sure. I know what that means, but I can also sense sarcasm in your voice. And that's a natural ability humans have to understand, um, you know, the, the meaning behind the words. And that's largely focused on the pitch and tonal variance because the word that you're using doesn't give me a clue. It's how you're saying it gives me a clue. And um, my natural response there would be, okay, maybe now is not a good time because you clearly don't want to do it. Now, how does that response, how does, how does that interaction uh, look like, um, you know, with Google or Alexa, where if Alexa asks you that question and you respond back to the sarcastic, sure, that she has no clue. She's like, okay, great, let's do it. And therein, therein that interaction stops because you're like, okay, uh, you're not my equal. There's another case study, right? So there's an interesting study that came out uh, where, uh, you know, someone was looking at, I think, why are 
uh, people, well-behaved people, cultured people, and uh, and especially kids, but uh, even adults are are rude towards the system. Like, so if you look at all the utterances. Um, and, and it's like, people are very rude. I mean, they talk to your voice assistants in a very rude tone. Um, and, um, generally, I mean, kids like to obviously, you know, say funny things and, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, adults speak to it in a rude tone. And so the question is, why do we do that? I mean, why, I mean, we, we, we won't talk to a fellow human like that usually, but why do we talk to a voice assistant like that? And that's because in the subconscious, uh, we don't think of these uh, devices as, as at an equal footing because we think they're inferior. They don't understand how I feel. And as a result, I don't have to give it the same courtesy of talking politely. Um, and it's a transaction. It's like, do this, do that, you know, and uh, even if I'm talking about open uh, open the open the door. Um, you know, it would be it would be in a very rude tone because I, I don't think it's equal to me, and I don't think uh, that's uh, that I need to uh, you know say to say to it, talk to it in a nice way. And I think there that so that's that there's that you know there's the clue, which is well, I mean uh, if you want to take that interaction to a next level, and I think it becomes really important when you're looking at. Uh, social robots and uh, other use cases that are really geared towards companionship. Um, there's, there's a lot of, uh, lot of interesting use cases where uh, you're, you're, uh, you're solving for the loneliness factor in seniors and uh, you have devices that they can speak to and uh, both for, from a companionship standpoint, they're robots that, that can be social companions. Um, and uh, how do you solve for that? I mean, if these devices don't even understand how you feel, yeah, I mean, yeah, it can do complex math. It could find anything uh, over the internet, uh, internet uh, through by searching through stuff. But that's just, you know, it's a glorified Google search, and it's not really uh, voice interaction, right? So I think it's really important. Yeah, I, I think that that's right on the money um, and, and well put. Let me let me ask you um, on the topic of the mainstream voice assistants. You got Alexa, you got a Google assistant, you got Siri, you know, Cortana's, you know, sort of off on the side, uh, you know, enterprise usage and, uh, you know, Samsung now with Bixby's making a push with what you're doing with behavioral signals. Um, I, I, we'll talk in just a minute about, you know, what's top of mind for, for y'all and some of the things you have going on, you know, heading into this year. But, before that, as you look at the voice assistant landscape um, as we head into 2020, what what do you think? I mean, do you do you see uh, Alexa and Google Assistant sort of being on equal footing? Uh, do you think that we're uh, going to see major innovations out of uh, several of these this year? You think Samsung will continue to evolve to be a major player? Tell tell me maybe you know one or two takeaways that's top of mind for you with the mainstream voice landscape at the moment. Yeah, and I think, you know, so if you look at the general landscape, right, so one of the things that AI is generally focused on is getting machines to do things that humans are just better at doing today. Um, but, but I mean, these systems, these machines, like these virtual assistants, have their own superpower, and they can process a lot, lots of huge amount of data, can do complex math, and which we as humans are not really good at. Um, so, I mean, those use cases, uh, within these platforms are going to continue to excite us, right? I mean, and what we're seeing right now is, 
interacting with these assistants more and more. It's not just for delegating a task, uh, but also interacting and talking to it. Um, so when uh, when you look at the current landscape, I think um, I think they all do some things differently. Uh, I think Alexa's got a leg up in terms of. Uh, supporting uh, more languages and having more skills uh, at their disposal just because they've uh, been at it for a longer time. And uh, I mean, that's important because, you know, um, it, it makes it makes this whole smart home experience more usable. Um, and Google's got its own uh, advantages uh, in terms of just uh, having uh, more accurate search results and finding things better and having better context. I mean, based on their capabilities from search engines and Google itself. And so I think they're both, uh, they're both, uh, equally capable. Um, I mean, I, I've worked a lot in the smart home domain, uh, previously with Logitech and I'll tell you that, um, penetration in the market is eventually more important than actual ability and uh, you know the actual capability of the technology itself. So uh, it, it's it's what you see out there is more compatible and and uh, with I mean the devices and the ecosystem. So with that, I mean the, those gaps are uh, sort of narrowing. But um, I feel in terms of like uh, you know getting to the next level, um, I have to believe what. Amazon and Google are working on those capabilities, but they haven't quite quite cracked it yet. I mean, it's a very, very, uh, it's a very difficult science. I mean, sentiment AI and emotion AI and deciphering sentiments from the words uh, is, has been out there for a long time, right? So the, the text-based sentiment analysis is, is widely used in the industry uh, for from a variety of factors, a variety of use cases, and it's been out there for, for a decade or so now. Um, but that doesn't apply in voice conversations because uh, you, you're not going to convert audio into words and then uh, put uh, that words to a, those words to a ringer to an analyzed text and do all of that in real time. You can't do it. I mean, it's just it, you just don't. I mean, you're, if you're speaking with someone, you need to have um, milliseconds of uh, latencies at best. Um, so you have to go beyond that. You have to go, uh, you know, do things like what we do, which is you know, focus on text and tonal, uh, pitch and tonal variance. So we, we don't even look at text, right? So we don't even care. So if you take our engine and you apply it to uh, a language that we don't support, uh, we can still get a very high read. Um, you could you could take uh, you could take it, apply it to Chinese or Russian, and, um, and not have a Chinese or Russian ASR in the mix, and still get all the emotions and the behavioral reads uh, from the tone of voice. Um, and I think that's what you would need to do. Um, and I think, um, I mean, I think uh, I, I, I predict within the next uh, three years, uh, maybe potentially even sooner, uh, you will see an announcement from one of these major players uh, that uh, that the game's changed and they have this ability. And um, it, it will it will be a race uh, for everybody else to then catch up at that point. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's great. I, I I completely agree. I think that they're working on it, but there's got to be some major issues, which you know perhaps y'all have have cracked that that are in their way. And and um, but it's 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 just part of that broader arms race. Let me ask you just to to spend the last mm -hmm. bit of time that we've got. I want to talk specifically about behavioral signals. Y'all were recently included in a Gardner a Gartner research report. Um, you got a lot of things going on. Tell me. You know what's what's top of mind for behavioral signals? Where do y'all hope to be 
by the end of this calendar year, heading into next year uh, with your company? Yeah, for sure. I think I think the Gartner report was very exciting, and this report was published, uh, you know, uh, around the core focus of Maverick Research, which looks at uh, newer cutting edge capabilities uh, that are disrupting the, the landscape. And um, in this particular use case, they were looking at uh, five use cases for emotion and behavioral AI, and specifically their accuracy levels. And we were we were uh, at the top of the stack. So the, the top three uh, most accurate skills uh, were all behavioral signal uh, capabilities. And so and they were, they were one, uh, predicting a propensity for a customer to pay back lo- a loan. So we predict that with over 85% accuracy. Uh, second was predicting a propensity of a customer to purchase. And we predict that with over 82% accuracy and detecting anger using audio samples. And we do that with 80% accuracy. And those two use cases uh, were uh, at the top of the stack in terms of their accuracy. And that's, that's, we're very proud of that because uh, we've done a lot of work in predicting intent and it's very, very complex. But where we at right now is um, we can take a, we can take a voice interaction between a debt holder and debt collector, uh, which, which is from any, anywhere from like five minutes to 15 minutes of conversation. And within the first 60 seconds, uh, first 30 to 60 seconds, we can make a binary prediction, which is will pay or not pay. So it's not a percentage outcome. It's a binary prediction, yes or no. Uh, and that prediction's over 80 to 85% accurate uh, in terms of whether the debt holder will pay or not pay. Without keeping mind, without knowing anything about the debt holder, we don't have access to any private information or the credit score, anything about We're just simply listening to the voice conversation. That's it. Um, and so... And that's how powerful emotions are and behaviors are. And if you can get a very accurate read of that and you understand context, you can predict uh, the outcome very accurately. So for us, um, our primary focus has been around, uh, so we take our, so we take our capabilities and we've had, we've had a dual focus. So one is taking, uh, taking our capabilities and augmenting human to human interactions. And uh, with, with that focus, uh, delivering new use cases and KPIs that optimizes those interactions. So such as uh, agent and customer experience scores, uh, behavioral profiling, pairing, sales enablement tools, and predicting intent. And uh, that, that is uh, very, uh, very much our primary focus uh, for 2020. Uh, but in parallel, uh, we're also modeling the dynamics of human-to-human interaction and then applying that into human-to-machine. And so that's where uh, we're playing with uh, use cases that that apply into emotionally and socially aware voice assistants and social robots, and also bringing these capabilities into other voice-enabled devices uh, to just bring that experience to a different level. We've been talking to Rana Gujral, CEO of Behavioral Signals, company in the space with what has to be one of the best names of a company in the space, Behavioral Signals. Rana, thank you for sharing some of your time with me and certainly some of your expertise as well. Thank you, Bradley. It was a real pleasure to be on the show. And again, I appreciate the invite. Yeah. And when you, uh, Rana, when, when you and Behavioral Signals uh, get acquired uh, at some point in the next year or two, uh, don't forget us. Still- <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for the kind words. And, uh, you know, I think, I think, look, acquisition is always a possibility. Uh, we, 
We have a very passionate team uh, of scientists. Uh, I mean, we're a small company. We're still like, you know, close to 30 people, but out of 15, uh, we have uh, 15 of them are PhDs and scientists. So these guys, uh, they're not working towards an acquisition. They're working towards uh, changing the game and changing the landscape. And they're super passionate about the current paradigm of voice interaction. And so we feel it's it's almost up to us to take this to the new level because nobody else uh, has gotten this far. And and so uh, we thought so that's what that's what drives us. And, um, you know, we hope to make that happen. Yeah, well, I have no doubt that you will. It's been an honor having you on and, and thank you for giving us the time. Thank you.